Buddha's Brain by Rick Hansen. One sentence summary. Buddha's Brain explains how world-changing thought leaders like Moses, Muhammad, Jesus, Gandhi and the Buddha altered their brains with the power of their minds and how you can use the latest findings of neuroscience to do the same and become a more positive, resilient, mindful and happy person. My favorite quote from the author is, only we humans worry about the future, regret the past and blame ourselves for the present. Rick Hansen. A few months ago, my friend Patrick reminded me of this book by writing about a concept from it. While I'm not necessarily a mindfulness skeptic, I'm convinced it works, I've experienced it myself, meditating isn't really my thing. Luckily, this book shares many ways to become more mindful, not just one. Here are three very practical lessons from the book to help you improve your life. 1. Stop throwing second darts by not dwelling on your pain. 2. Practice composure to not live in a state of constant desire. 3. Don't identify with so many things to reduce your suffering. Prepare to tap into Buddha's brain. Let's neuroscience the heck out of your happiness. Buddha's brain lesson 1. One dart hurts enough. Don't make your pain worse by dwelling on it. This answers the question, what is a unique way of dealing with pain? There's a great quote you might have heard, which is often accredited to Buddha, but whose origin is actually unknown. Pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. Anonymous. It pretty much sums up the idea Hansen describes in the book, which says that we experience discomfort on two levels. The first level feels like being struck by a dart. It's a sudden rush of pain, for example from an accident, like stubbing your toe, touching a hot plate, or crashing with your bike, a disappointed expectation, failure, or rejection. This kind of pain is normal. We all have to face it in our lives, and there's not much we can do about it. Most of the time, however, we make it worse by throwing a second dart at ourselves, based on how we physically and mentally react to the first dart. For example, when you crash with your bike, you might curse at the person that blocked your view, blame the shitty tarmac, or not instantly go to the hospital because you have an important meeting. All of these add suffering to the pain you already have, but are entirely in your control. You don't have to do any of these. Instead, you can just accept the pain, do what's necessary to heal your wounds, and get on with your life. 99% of the time, the second darts are a lot worse than the first ones, because we keep throwing them long after the first dart has vanished. For example, by obsessing for months over an ended relationship or worrying about test results. Life throws enough darts at you as is, so stop throwing more at yourself, okay? Buddha's Brain Lesson 2 Quit the eternal rat race for more by practicing composure every day. This answers the question, how can I not be worried about so much stuff? Have your parents ever told you to keep your composure when you were a kid? What does that even mean? Most of the time, we use it in a false context. When people say it, they often expect you to not act out your feelings. For example, when you get an email in the middle of class telling you you've been accepted into the school you so desperately want to go to, you likely want to jump up and dance right then and there. If you do it, your teacher will probably tell you to keep it together. Same goes when we're on the brink of despair, about to do something crazy. But composure doesn't mean hiding your feelings. When you're composed, you stay with and experience your feelings just long enough to let them sink in without developing a permanent reaction to them. Doing your victory dance is just fine. When you instantly start to think about what's next, that's when it gets problematic. 
Composure is a circuit breaker. It allows you to cut the connection between I feel good about this and I need more of it, or I feel horrible about this and I must avoid this forever. You can practice true composure by noticing when you feel particularly good or bad and then taking a short moment to just stay with the feeling for 20 to 30 seconds. This allows you to let it sink in while at the same time accepting that it's okay as it is, without instantly chasing the next thing in your head. Buddha's Brain Lesson 3 Reduce the suffering in your life by not identifying with so many things. This answers the question, how does minimalism help with less suffering? What do Buddhist monks and death row prison inmates have in common? They let go of their sense of self. At both ends of the spectrum, ultimate enlightenment and inevitable death, letting go replaces all suffering with peace, fulfillment and acceptance. But then again, a strong sense of self is important. You have to assert yourself and your right to be happy. Who you think you are gives you continuity in life and helps you set yourself apart from other people. So no, leaving everything behind and living alone in the woods isn't the solution. You simply have to tame your sense of self by not identifying with so many things. Every time you put the word I or my in a sentence with something, you make its fate your own. Since everything in the world eventually comes to an end, over-identifying with things ultimately makes you feel like you face a loss a lot and can thus make you depressed. For example, if you have a ton of clothes, electronic devices and material possessions, you'll say my laptop, my sweater, my TV and my remote control helicopter a lot. No matter which of these breaks next, you'll feel the pain of the first dart. So the more you have, the more darts are likely to come flying your way. Imagine taking a weekend to unclutter and ending up with 30% less than you had before. That's a lot of less I's and my's in your vocabulary and therefore will help you moderate your sense of self. A personal exercise I like to do is when I step out on the street, I look up to the roof of the highest building I can see. Then imagine seeing myself from up there and slowly zooming out and out and out until I'm in space. Kind of like with Google Maps. It always shows me that I'm just a teeny tiny part of this great thing called the universe. My personal takeaways from Buddha's brain for 2017. I really like this book because it's a scientific, no bullshit, uh, no super zen sort of meditate your way to success kind of book, right? Obviously, we all know science pushes meditation the hardest and says meditation is the best way to develop mindfulness. Which, by the way, is just the capacity to observe your thoughts and feelings in real time. That's how I like to look at it. Um, so we know meditation works and it's good and everything. But again, what if you're not a big meditator, right? Like me. Um, I'm not a big meditator, but I, I have developed mindfulness to some extent. Uh, I think it's super powerful. I think it's super helpful. And that's why I think it's really important to tell more people about how you can find mindfulness without doing meditation because again not everyone might be a meditator so as you i mean all of the lessons they're sort of along the same line along the same theme and as i read the quote about pain is inevitable but suffering is optional um it's really adjusting your reaction to what happens in life and seeing that when something is out of your control that it is out of your control 
and that you're best off just taking the next right action and not focusing on it and not dwelling on it because that's how you create pain in your head right the pain from putting your hand on a hot stove the physical pain is the burnt hand the feeling you get from that your neurons reacting to that but the mental pain is what story you tell yourself about the incident right and about how i don't know like your partner left on the stove or whatever right so whatever story you tell yourself about the experience that's where the pain comes from or, or that's actually where eventually more pain can come from than from the hurt hand itself uh, so all the lessons were along those lines right like first dart second dart second dart is up to you um the red race for for keeping your composure right so feelings a bad feeling you get hurt okay but you stay with it longer than you have to you have a permanent reaction not a temporary one and then boom it's your fault again you're causing yourself more suffering and then lastly the things you own right you own more stuff more stuff breaks stuff you have to maintain doesn't work and then again you're the one telling yourself this is my stuff my story blah 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 because it's your story you are the one left with the pain which you cause yourself because you could have just gone to the apple store and bought a new phone right away right which is something i've done by the way because when tools break replace them and as i read the quote i thought i it came to me that just before i recorded a summary about stoicism a guide to the good life great book by the way um and i think that's where this quote is originally from because marcus aurelius has a quote that goes something like um choose not to be harmed and you won't feel harmed choose not to feel harmed and you haven't been or something like that it's very similar so whatever harm or a sort of negative event adversity the world causes you it's in how you choose to react to it that you whether make this real pain or not and i think that's really interesting so this whole idea of mindfulness it really permeates stoicism right it's all about seeing pain when and where and as it arises and adjusting your reaction to it and i think that's super powerful and the exercise i mentioned in the end i still like to do this today i don't do it quite as often i did it when i lived in karlsruhe and i was studying there specifically when i was at my ex-girlfriend's house she would live in a small alley with high houses old houses uh, and i stepped outside i was in a small alley i was looking up the opposite across the street there was a house saw the roof i was like man like i'm so small like the city is is not even a big city it was like three hundred thousand people it wasn't huge i was like man but like i'm so small i'm such a small part i stepped outside i looked up looked at the sky and there's beautiful weather and i was like man if you looked up from above and you just zoomed out and out and out and i've actually done that on google maps i wrote an answer about this on quora uh, zoomed out and out and out and it was fascinating right like how far how long how big the world is and what a small part you are i think that's just one exercise you can do that really gives you perspective um i hope this has been helpful uh if you again if you like this book or this kind of books then check out more books about stoicism there's another book called 10 percent happier by dan harris which is also for mindfulness skeptics uh, or mindfulness for skeptics however you want to put it um, that's also really good hope you learn more about it because being mindful is very powerful great idea buddha's brain by rick hansen hope you enjoyed see you on the next summary